And today, I'm actually going to teach or preach on the, on the topic that was most chosen, and it's the topic of parenting. <clears throat> some of you are like, man, I ain't got no kids. Why come to church today? Well, I'm sure there's going to be some kids in your life that you can influence. And so today's message is for everyone who has kids, everyone who plans on having kids, or anyone who plays a big role in a kid's life. Amen? So that pretty much covers everybody. I don't know if you realize this, but if there's a kid in your life, God's actually given you responsibility for that kid. Whether the DNA matches or not, you've been given a responsibility to influence that kid. How many of you would agree with me that kids need some good influence today more than ever? Uh, I, we did a, some work in the uh, elementary school last year, and I was highly involved in that and spent a lot of time uh, just talking with some kids, almost like a counseling session with some kids. And man, I'm going to tell you, it's scary. It's scary where kids are today. And here's the thing I took away from that year of, of being in the elementary school is that kids are a lot like animals today. They're, 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 they're born and put out in a pasture. I know that sounds crude. I know that sounds harsh, but can I tell you it's real. There's kids out there that don't know what real love is. There's kids that don't know how to respect and understand authority. There's kids that don't know how to even just get along with other kids. Devices are raising them. TV is raising them. Society is raising them, and the parents are absent. Here's what's even more crazy, is that the parents can be present in the home, yet still be absent in the kid's life. It happens all day, every day. Parents are home. They say, we're home all the time. How much time are you actually talking to your kids? How much time are you actually spending with your kids, interacting with your kids? And so today, more than ever, we need to influence every kid that God would put in our pathway. Uh, Someone told me a while back that grandkids are God's reward for not killing your own kids. (laughs) I believe that to be true, and I hope it proves to be good. <laughs> so I, I, I didn't kill him, so I'm, anyway, <clears throat> let me act like a preacher for a minute. Proverbs 22.6 says this, you ought to memorize this verse. If you plan to have kids, you really need to memorize this verse, and if you currently have them, you better have this verse. It says this in Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So it's an instruction with a promise attached to it. So here's the instruction, train up a child in the way they should go. If you'll be diligent, put in the time, the effort, the energy, the emotions, everything that it takes to raise kids, if you'll raise them the right way, the promise is they will continue even after they get old. It did not say they wouldn't be a knucklehead a time or two during that process. (laughs) Come on, parents that have older kids. (laughs) But the promise is, is that they will not depart from it and they will continue. So the purpose of training them is so they will become God-honoring adults. That's what we're raising. We're raising God-honoring adults. I want you to imagine with me for a minute. I want you to turn your imagination on. I want you to think about the kids that are in your life, the kids that you have some influence on, whether it's your own kids, the neighbor's kids, or if you're fostering or whatever it is, grandkids. I want you to imagine for a minute them walking out of the house to go out on their own. 
I want you to see them with a suitcase or two or three or four or five. Most parents focus on what's in the suitcase. The reality is we need to focus what's in the kid. Because you can put a million dollars in the suitcase and if there's been nothing deposited into the kid, he's broke. Amen? So imagine them walking out. This is how you need to parent. You need to parent with the end in mind. What is the result I want to see? What is, the, what is the end result? There's a verse in, in Ecclesiastes. I use this one during funerals. And it, it says this. It's a strange verse. It says, it's better to be at funerals than to be at parties. I would disagree. <laughs> I don't like funerals. <laughs> But the writer is trying to get us to think that at a funeral, you're thinking about the end of your life. Come on, you've been there before. You've been sitting there, and there's a casket with somebody that you either know or love or both, and you're, and you're thinking for a moment, man, that's going to be me one day. Who's going to be at my funeral? Some of you are worried about what they're going to say about me. Stop worrying about that. They're going to say all kind of crazy stuff. But he says to think about the end, because the difference is, is when you're at a party, you're thinking about the here and now, right? You're not even focusing on the end. You're, you're unproductive in the moment. You're just having a blast. And that's a good thing. I love parties. I love parties with lots of food. I used to love parties with lots of alcohol. I just changed it over to food. But imagine for a minute your kids leaving your house. What is inside of them? You need to determine what's going to be inside of your kids, and you need to parent from that thought. You need to parent from that vision. You need to have a vision for your kids. And this is why, because the world has a vision for your kids. Society has a vision for your kids. Social media has a vision for your kids. Other kids have a vision for your kids. You better have a vision for your kids. I thought I would have got a better amen than that. Because if you don't have a vision for them, somebody else does, and their vision will come to pass if you're not careful. You better see the end. You better know what you want to put in them, how you're going to send them out. Because you see, oftentimes we get so busy fighting with our kids that we forget to fight for them. We'll get so busy trying to make them these perfect little things that go out into the world and they act right, they talk right, they look right, they, they, they hold themselves right. But inside they're bankrupt. And we fight and fight and fight to make them say yes sir and no ma'am. But how much are we fighting for them? Because you see as an parent, I'm supposed to be the adult. <laughs> I'm supposed to be the mature one. I'm supposed to be the one that doesn't get drawn into an argument or a debate or a flesh and blood battle. Amen? I'm the one that's supposed to be in control. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching. But there's a day coming where they're going to leave your house. This is where my wife and I are. We've got them at 19 years old, 17 years old, and 16 years old. Two of them will be starting college in August. And the last one, our world revolves around hers. But we're at a moment now where they're, they're going out. And, and for those of you who have younger kids, I just want to warn you, it's scary. 
Okay, I thought getting a driver's license and driving a $40,000 car down the driveway was scary. That ain't scary. Sending them out into this crazy, corrupt world all by themselves is scary. Seeing my work and Cheryl's work being tested in the years to come is scary. I'm either going to be a hero or a zero. Come on, somebody. (laughs) I'm either going to be us the best dad in the world or they was a loser. It's scary, y'all. My work's getting ready to be tested. You need to be asking questions. What is their relationship with God like? What is their character like? Do they live to please other people or do they live to please God? Because you see, it doesn't matter what your kids know if they don't know what really matters. So I got four thoughts about raising kids this morning. I'm sharing with you. First thought is this, is I want them to know that I love them, but I need them to know that I'm in charge. So, oh, Pastor, you got a power trip. You want a power trip? You, you're trying to rule and reign over your kids? You're dang right. I am. They need to know that I'm in charge. You know why? Because one day when they walk out of my house, we're going to transition the authority in their life from me to Father God. And if they can't respect me, how in the world are they going to respect him? If they can't listen to me, how, do, how can I ever expect them to listen to him? They need to know that I love them. That's important. But they also need to know that I'm in charge. We don't get in debates at my house. Mom and dad rules. Period. We can have conversations. You can express to me what's on your heart. We can talk out anything you want to talk out. But the minute you start thinking you're going to run me, it's over with. Say, man, you hard, bro. No, I'm not hard. Because at the same time they know I'm in charge, they know even more that I love them. Because you see, I can be a dictator without love, and that's foul. But I can also be the man in charge and show them how much I love them, and that's proper. Does that make sense? One without the other is foul. You can love them till they're blue in the face, but if you don't ever give them any discipline and help them to understand authority, then you're hurting them all the same, and you're sending them out unprepared. Come on, you remember when we grew up, some of you older folks, don't raise your hands, but 40 plus, you remember, you remember when the cops would come down the, down the road, you see the cops coming, you was a kid, what did you do? You're like, oh, the cops. Oh. You tighten up. There was a, there was a healthy fear of, of authority. Not today. There is no respect, no honor. Actually look down upon. Go to the local schools. How many teachers I got in here? Do you get much respect? I know the answer. No. Because here's the truth. Every child is asking two questions before the age of 12. Who's in charge? Who loves me? That's what they want to know. Who's in charge and who loves me? How do I know that? Well, I know that. From experience, I know that this much, for for 19 years now, my wife and I have been in a battle against our kids. 
Oh, y'all can be all holy and sanctified all you want to be, but it's true. My kids have a full-time job of trying to divide me and my wife. They are manipulators, perpetrators, straight-up gangsters. They dirty. They don't play fair. They don't fight fair. And they'll get you from every direction if you let them. They'll use the puppy dog eyes. They'll lie. Yeah. They'll lie. Uh, we learned early on that they try to get in between me and Cheryl. Hey, Dad, Mom said I can go to so-and-so's house. Is that okay with you? I don't know. Let me talk it out with your mom. But Mom said. No, you said. I didn't hear Mom said. I'm going to hear Mom said, and if Mom said what you said, then you can go. But if she didn't, you're in trouble. Right? they gangster, man. they gangster, I'm telling you. Who's in charge? Who loves me? They want to know who loves them. Pay attention to who your kids are trying to get attention from. Pay attention to what they're asking for. And that'll tell you what they're looking for. That'll tell you who they're looking to get it from. They want to know who's in charge and they want to know who loves them. And listen to me, they will buck you. They will buck you every step of the way. Come on, can I get a witness in this Baptist church? (laughs) Ephesians 6.1 says this, Children, if you want to be wise, listen to your parents and do what they tell you, and the Lord will help you. I would encourage you to write this in their bedroom on the wall. I would encourage you to put this on the mirror in their bathroom. I would encourage you to make them a necklace that they can hang around their neck that says this verse. (laughs) Amen? So there's four seasons of parenting. The first season is caretaker. This is from ages zero to three. This is when you basically meet all of their needs. You're putting food in. They're sending something out that you have to clean up. You got you to gotta bathe them. If they get up at night, you got to feed them. Then you get in this battle with your husband about what can he, can, can you go feed the kids? And I thank God for breastfeeding moms because daddies can't help with that. <laughs> can I just be real today? I don't like formula. It means the man's got to get up. (laughs) It's just real. (laughs) But you're the caretaker. You're pretty much doing everything for them. Everything. You got to fix the meal. You got to feed them the meal. You got to wipe the meal off their body. You got to then change their diapers, right? You got to clean them. Then you got to lotion them up because they always smell better when they're lotioned up, right? And then you got to put them to bed. You're the caretaker. It's exhausting. Come on, you mamas and young babies. It's exhausting. We understand. It's exhausting. The second stage or the second season is the cop. You get to be a cop. This is from ages 4 to 10. This doesn't mean that you get a set of handcuffs and a, p- a, a pistol. That, that doesn't mean, that's not what this means. It means you got to act like a cop. There's going to be lots of spankings. I said it. Come on, you younger generation. I said it. You bunch of non-spankers. Read some crazy book said not to spank your kids. What's wrong with you? I whooped all three of mine. I don't think there's anything wrong. We've got a little twitch every now and then, but I mean, it's, it's not that bad. <laughs> a little bit emotional, you know what I'm saying? But all right. It's a lot of spanking, lots of no's, 
Lots of repetition. Come on, it's like a kid. Why, why are kids attracted to hot things? Stoves. It's like a baby sees a stove. You're balling crawfish. And you're over there going, no, no. And if you're wise, you bring them to the pot close to the Don't burn your kids. You bring them to the pot and you go, hot, hot. We would do this with our kids. Hot, no, no, hot. And then they go, hot, no, no. You're like, didn't work. <laughs> didn't work. Lots of no's, lots of spankings, a lot of boundaries being pushed, right? You know what's really going on is they're learning to submit to authority. And they have to learn this lesson. Can I tell you, they have to learn how to submit to authority. It's vital. If they can't submit to yours, they'll never submit to God's. Then we go into the coaching season. And that one might sound a little bit better, but it's not. I'm really going to try to encourage you. Ages 11 to 18. Parents make a lot of mistakes in this, in this phase because they don't transition from cop to coach. So what was good in stage two or season two is not good for season three. You got to transition. You see, as parents, you can never take a day off. Sorry. You never get a day off. Mamas are underpaid. Single mamas are way underpaid. Come on. But you, you transition to a coach. You got to go from a cop to a coach. A cop controls, a coach directs. If you're a good cop, you'll be an easier coach. Okay, it works like this. You start young. Listen to me. In diapers, you start. We didn't whip in diapers. In diapers, you start to teach right from wrong. No, no, yes, yeah. And if you do that season well, then you go to become a cop. And if you do that season well, it gets a little bit easier when you become a coach. A little bit easier. Not a whole lot easier, but a little bit easier. Because one season builds on top of the other. Most of you are waiting till they're old enough to understand. Let me tell you, a little pain to the hind parts, it brings understanding. My babies. I got beat so much as a kid, and I was raised with women. That's what's crazy. I was raised with two women, my grandmother and my mom. They would beat me so much, half the time I'd be crying. My grandma would be whipping me. I'd go, I want my grandma. She's like, I am your grandma, boy. I didn't know who was beating me. I think I turned out all right. Electrical problem, but... This is where you have big conversations. Oh, long conversations. This is where you stay up past midnight talking and working out relational issues. This is where it gets tough. Because now you're dealing with what's going on inside of them more than what's going on on the outside of them. But this is important. Every kid needs long conversations. Every kid needs to learn how to express themselves. They can't do that in five minutes. Are you hearing me this morning? They can't do it in five minutes. Sometimes you got to sit there for hours. 
I sat up with Virginia one night for three hours. Best three hours I ever spent. You do more directing than you do controlling. You start teaching them what the Bible says to their life right there in that moment. I'll never forget when my kids were at the 11-year-old stage. One of them came home and said, Dad, she, they were just heartbroken. And they said, Dad, I, I, I can't make any friends. And as a parent, you know, you want your kid, everybody wants their kid to be the cool kid, right? I mean, nobody has a kid like, this one's going to be like the nerd. At least I never did. But when your kid comes to you and says, I can't make any friends, it kind of breaks your heart. You know what you do? You bring them to the word of God where it says, the Bible says, if you'll be friendly, you will have friends. So what does that mean, daddy? Just be friendly. The Bible promises you will have friends. So what happened? I pushed the word of God out in front of my parenting, my parenting. They walked in it. And when they got some friends, I guarantee the Holy Spirit reminded them of that moment we had where I said, you know what the Bible says? It says, if you'll be friendly, you'll have friends. Wow. I just taught them that the word works. You seeing this? So you go from, from being a caretaker to a cop to a coach. Now you go into consultant. And this might sound real easy, but I'm here to tell you today, it's the hardest season of them all. Because this is when you stop telling them what to do and you start waiting for them to ask you. It don't work. Consultants speak only when they're invited in. I'm here if you need me. You know what's hard right now is my kids are making decisions and my, my whole insides are going, no! And I'm trying to be like this. You sure you want to do that? I really don't think that's what. Do you need some help? No, Dad, I got it. No, you don't have it. You don't have it. You really don't have it. And sometimes it looks like this. Sometimes you go, oh, that's going to hurt. Can I tell you, that's hard. You know why it's so hard? Because you've got all these years and time and energy and effort and finances and everything else invested in them. It's hard to let them just go out and make a mistake on their own. I looked at my kids this week. I said, y'all expensive. <laughs> I told my son, I said, you worth more than a million, bro. What you mean? I said, dude, you ate at least 500000 <laughs> And then the rest was in clothes and shoes. And time. Can I get paid for my time? Anyway, I will. Grandkids. Come on, somebody. They're expensive. You got a lot invested in them. It's hard to just watch them go. I thought letting them drive out was hard. Letting them go is hard. But here's the thing, and this is the point of the message today. If you'll get a hold of their heart, they'll come back and let you consult them. If you just focus on getting a hold of their heart, one day you'll get that phone call. Hey, Dad, can I ask you some advice? Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you some advice. What you need? I got like tons of it. 
The hardest part's controlling your. Okay, you need to quit doing this. You need to, don't do that. My son came to me the other day and asked me how to turn in his two week notice for his job. I held back the tears. He wanted to leave that job and go to another one. He's 17 years old and he said, Hey, Dad, how do I leave a job right? Almost wrecked my truck. I'm like, you say that again? <laughs> and he took my advice. It works. <laughs> you get to be a consultant. Because here's the truth if you try to be the cop, they'll end up marrying the person you despise the most. Second thought. I want them to know God, not just a Sunday God, but an everyday God. Ah, oh, this one's so important. Listen, your kids need to be in church and you every Sunday, period. But they need to know God beyond Sunday. They need to know God beyond their youth group. They need to know God beyond their Sunday school group. They need to know God every day. That's why Cheryl and I, one of the reasons we dig into the word often is because I need this to lead me and I need this to give to them because I need to show them that this thing right here, this book, God's word applies to every, everything you will ever face. His word applies to it. So when we parent, we always bring the word with us. We don't Bible beat them. Oh, you know, the word says this. No, we don't do that. We instruct, we correct, we teach. This thing's inspired by God, y'all. It's been breathed by the Holy Spirit, and it's there to help. So we show them. Why? Because we're not always going to be there for them. They need to know where true wisdom comes from. They need to know where the words of life come from. And listen to me, you can't start too young. You can't start too young. Amen? I want them to know God in every day because they're going to need God every day. Our children need a good Savior more than they need good manners. Thought I got a better amen. Matthew 15, 8 to 9 says this, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. God wants their heart. If you have it, you can hand it over. It's important to know that your kids know more than the teachings that they know actually the teacher they need to know the teacher. They need to know Jesus. Listen, my kids would hurt themselves when they were just babies. We prayed for it. Come on, the scratch. Yeah, the little scratch. He scratched me. Oh, come on, let's pray for it. I got a funny story, but I just can't embarrass my son like that. God, I want to share it bad. You'd really laugh. I want them to know God every day. I want them to know that God's an everyday God. We don't hide our struggles from our kids too much. That's one thing God's graced us with is that we've, our kids know where we're at. I mean, now listen to me. There's a big difference here that I'm talking about. They don't need to know all your business. 
Your kids don't need to be up in your business. They kids. Some of that stuff they can't handle. Okay, but they know that we have struggles. Listen, they have two ears. They hear when we holler at each other. They know when we're fighting. If they don't hear it, they can feel it. They know when there's not any peace in the house. They know times when we've struggled financially because we've had to say no to some things that they normally get a yes to, right? We don't hide that from, well, we can't have this. Listen to me. Things are tight right now. We're trusting God. We're still tithing, but things are tight. We're waiting on God to show up in some areas. So if you want to help, you can pray. Okay, all right. And then they usually back off. And then they see God's hand come and deliver. Amen? They hear the screaming and the fussing and the hollering, but they also see the smooching the next next morning. Come on, you ain't got much romance in your life. You just need to start a good fight and just make up. I'm bad advice. Don't do that. Don't do that. That was a joke. Don't, Don't take that note. Because some of you are looking for a good reason to go home and fight. Don't do that. Because you see, if you don't let your kids process their own doubts, they'll never get to own their own faith. Your kids are going to doubt things at times. You need to process that with them. I, I don't know if you realize this, but having kids is like one of the most important things in the world. It's like one of the greatest responsibilities ever. It's not like a car. You just don't go trade them in later on when you get tired of them. Like, seriously. Jeremiah 24, 7 says, I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. So I want them to know God, not just as a Sunday God, but an everyday God. The third thought is this. I want them to know that I can help them, but I also want them to know that I'm not the only one who can help them. Okay, parents, you will not be everything to your kids. You better be praying for God to send some good influences into their life. And you better be praying that some negative influences leave. Come on, sometimes I find out who their friends are, and I'm like, Hi, in the name of Jesus. And you'll lie. You'll say, oh, come back anytime. You ain't coming back in the name of Jesus. You step back on this property, I'm going to cast the devil out of you. I'm serious. I never let crazy kids come around my kids. They didn't go sleep at just anybody's house. Why? Because I don't trust them. If I don't know them, they ain't going. We had a vetting process. We had to be sneaky and cordial about it. My wife would say, Anna wants to go sleep at so-and-so's house. Are you cool with that? Who's so-and-so? Well, and this, uh, parents go to church here, and they do this. And uh, Okay, tell me some more. Uh, well, do you have a piece about it? Mm, well, if you ain't got a piece about it, they ain't going. But she's going to be heartbroken. So what? I'd rather be heartbroken than molested. Amen? Amen? It's my responsibility. I'll stand before Jesus one day. It's his kids. How dare I just let them go to the wolves? You're overprotective. Yep, 
I'm overprotective. I'm proud of it. Sign me up. Give me a badge. But I'm going to stand before Jesus one day and tell him I did the best I could. Amen? Listen, if, they're, if, they're, if their grandparents are crazy, they don't go. Oh, but Pastor Jim. I thank God for the outside influences that God has placed in my kids' lives. You have no clue how valuable it is when somebody who does not own your kids speaks life into your kids. Because like I said earlier, every parent has a blind spot. Every parent doesn't know everything that's going on with your kids. There's been times that my kids have been walking through things that I was clueless to, to only come and find out later by accident that somebody else in our, our realm of, of friends was actually influencing them with their decision. And it was good, and it was godly. You know what that did for me and Cheryl? That just put a, a peace in our hearts and a gratefulness that somebody else loved my kids enough to speak the truth to them. You got to pray for that. We pray for their spouse. You want me to tell you how I pray for my kids? Lord, I pray you protect their virginity. Lord, I pray that you would, you would lead them by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray they would grow closer to you every day. Lord, I pray that they would learn to lean on your word. Lord, I pray for their friends, that they would have God-honoring, God-influential friends. I pray, Lord, that they would be an influence to the people around them and not be so easily influenced. And, Lord, I pray the same thing over their spouse. I pray you protect their virginity. I pray, you see what I'm saying? I pray for my kids. We pray for their spouse. That dude's coming to vacation. He's coming for holidays. Well, you got to live with them. You want to officially adopt them. You better pray for them. It's too late after they got them. We move from me to we. It takes a tribe. It takes more than one person to raise up kids. They need to be plugged into the local church. They need to be a part of a youth group. They need to be involved in children's church. They need to be plugged in and connected with people that they can build influences with. Sometimes it's somebody older than them. Sometimes it's a good friend. Every kid needs a good friend that says, I ain't doing that. That's stupid. And I'm so grateful for all of those who serve and volunteer in our youth groups and our children's church. Because we're affecting the next generation. We're influencing them. Two of my kids were saved in our OSC kids department in church one Sunday. I wish I could tell you I led them to the Lord. It would be good for a pastor to say that. I didn't. Somebody else did. And I'm eternally grateful. Amen? The fourth thought is this one. I want them to make wise choices, but they need to know it's okay to mess up. There's got to be some room for grace. Hebrews 12, 11 says, no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful, exclamation mark. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Trials have training. It's okay to be messed up. 
do you realize that God is in the business of using messed up people? I am an example. Hi, my name is Jamie. I'm a messed up individual. God loves me and he uses me. He's in the process of using messed up people. We hurt our kids when we create an environment where there's no room to mess up. What I find funny about parenting is, is that when I, when I was at the age of about 12, 13, or, or somewhere around puberty, this is just a side note, boys need to spend less time with their moms and more time with their dads, if dad's around, okay? Um, it's critical because up until this point, they're getting empathy, compassion, tenderness, all the things that a good man needs from their mom. But when they get to be around puberty, they really need to transition to the father and spend more time with the dad because, number one, mom can't handle puberty. And number two, they need some man time, right? They're going through a lot of transitions. Mom don't understand. Dad does. I looked at my son when he was going through puberty. I said, I get it, bro. The brain is foggy. You can't think straight. It's okay, brother. I got some grace. But I'm still going to correct you, right? And so, so there's that transition. Here's the thing about raising Ethan that I'm grateful for, but I was a little disappointed in. I think I grew more than he did. The more I parented him, the more I saw myself in him. You see, you got to understand something about God. God doesn't waste a moment. God will take a moment where you think you're helping somebody and he's actually helping you. I grew more than Ethan did in that process. I, I constantly and consistently heard the Holy Spirit say, you know, you got that same attitude. No, I don't. Oh, yes, you do. I've been trying to tell you that for years. Now I'm showing it to you through your son. Seriously. I started, I started getting serious with Ethan about the age of puberty, and, and I seen stuff come out of me that I didn't even know was in me. And the whole time, God was refining me. And Ethan, but me too. And, and I, I want to say this. There's, there was many times I had to go to their rooms at night or in the evening, and get on my knees and ask for forgiveness and humble myself before them and say that there was, I'll never forget the craziest time. We were doing something, Ethan and I were working in a barn, and I lost it. I, I smooth lost it. And I hurt him bad. I mean bad. I felt like a failure. I felt horrible. I didn't know how to make it right in the moment, so I didn't say nothing. I just processed it. I asked God about it. That afternoon, I went to his bedroom. I got on my knees, and I said, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I said. I'm sorry for what I did. And I want to ask you to forgive me. And ain't nothing going to break your heart like your kid looking at you with the most innocent face saying, I forgive you. 
and you're going, God, I'm an idiot. And say, would you pray for me? You want to humble yourself? Ask your kid to pray for you when you blow it. It'll make you not want to do it again. It's tough. But you got to create a space where it's okay to mess up. God never called you to make them perfect. He called you to train them in the way they should go. And he promised that when they get older, they'll continue. Spend less time on perfection and more time on getting their heart. I got a friend whose dad would let them paint the house, even as little bitty kids. And I wondered every time I went to their house, the paint looked like, I ain't going to say the word, the paint looked bad. I'm like, dude, paint your house. But the daddy just, he just created such a space where they could just mess up and it was okay. They'd paint the house, get paint on the brick. I'm like, that drives me crazy. You got to learn to quit sweating the small stuff. Create some space for grace. God used some pretty jacked up people in the Bible. He used Abraham who doubted him and called him the father of faith. He used stuttering Moses to deliver his people. He used an insecure Gideon to fight one of the greatest battles. He used David who had terrible moral decisions to be one of the greatest kings and write most of Psalms. He wants to use us and we're messed up too, aren't we? You see, it's God who qualified me to lead my wife, to lead my family, and to lead this church. I don't have a doctorate in being a husband. I don't have a doctorate in parenting. I don't have a doctorate in pastoring. I am unqualified. Can I be honest with you? I don't have the goods. What I do have is I've got the spirit of the living God living inside of me that empowers me to be more than enough. Amen? And I'll continue to give him praise for that because I know that I'm not enough. But sometimes as parents, we can believe the lie that you're not enough. And I want to help you with that today. The reality is you're not enough. You're not smart enough. You're not educated enough. You don't have enough skills. You definitely don't have enough patience. You don't have enough energy. You don't have enough strength. But if you've got God inside of you, you're more than enough. Amen? Amen? You've heard me share this before. When we we found out we were, Cheryl was pregnant for Virginia, I had a freak out moment. I said, God, I don't know, I don't know how to be a daddy. I didn't have a daddy. I don't know how to be a daddy. What, how do you be a daddy, Lord? What, I'm like freaking out. He's like, shut up. <laughs> he said, just do what I do to them what I do to you. And I went, okay. So when I'd want to kill him, he would say, softly remind me, have I killed you? No. When I didn't want to give him grace, don't I give you grace? You see it? Because of him, we're qualified. Because of him, we can be more than enough. Nehemiah 4.14 says this, Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. 
I'm going to read that one one more time. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Who's great and awesome? The Lord is great and awesome. What does he tell us to do? Fight for them. Stop fighting with them. Amen? Start fighting for them. If you can't accomplish it in your own strength, you need to be trusting God to do it because you ain't got the goods to do it. Amen? You need to be praying and believing for him to validate and confirm everything that you're trying to teach and train your kids with. Right? Because there's nothing like them getting their own revelation. He says to fight for your families, fight for your sons, fight for your daughters. You know how you do that? I started with Ethan when he was real young. I shared in the first service. He was a little bitty tyke, and he was still in a high chair, and he'd sit next to me at the table when we'd eat supper. And I'd look at him. It was just a silly little game everybody thought. I had an intention with it. And I would look at him and go, you a man of God? He said, I'm a man of God. I said, you a champ? I'm a champ. You a lion? I'm a lion. Let me hear you roar. And I'd do that all the time. You know what I was doing? I was prophesying to him. I was planting seeds in him. You're a man of God. You're a champ. You're not a loser. You don't go settle for drugs. You don't go settle for pornography. You don't go settle for all those other things. You're better than that. Amen? You're a champ. You're a man of God. You're somebody special. There's been a high price paid for you. Spend more time telling them that. And see what changes. Because you're speaking to their hearts. Amen? Fight for them.